Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. You know, we love doing this show for you every single week, but doing the show is not free. So if you enjoy the show, we ask maybe uh, consider helping us out a bit and supporting it. You can do that by becoming an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com. EPP means extra podcast person. You get an extra podcast for your support of the show. Every single week, we send you a brand new one. And you get access to our past archive of EPP episodes as well. Right now, that's more than 15 bonus episodes along with the weekly episode that you'll be getting every single week for only five bucks a month. If you like the show, help keep us on the air. And become an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com today. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tonight on the show, a woman is visited by her sister after death, if nothing more, and to show that she is back to her old self. Shunned by society, two sisters from the early 1900s seek revenge where their home once stood. A boy's perception of his grandmother changes drastically after witnessing her encounter with the undead. A difficult lesson is learned after a girl tempts fate in a dare at the urging of her friends. The cry of a newborn baby alarms two picnickers when there's no one around. Justice may not be served in life, but the victim of abuse is given a sign that he may be paying for his crimes in the afterlife. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. This is festive chapstick. Yeah, I got the candy cane chapstick for us, so we don't have to fight over one tube anymore. Look at that, and we're not going <laughs> to pass mouth diseases back and forth through our chapstick just through making out. That's gross. We do that during calls. We go in the corner. No. And we make out. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's no. What do you say? That's awful. <laughs> I'm insulted. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. To I that. guess if we were like 15 doing this show, that's probably what we would do. Yeah. We'd be like, "Hey, there's a call playing right now. You want to go make out?" <laughs> yeah. No. Ah, yes. Welcome to the show, children. Uh, If you like the show, please tell a friend about it. Share a link on Facebook or Twitter. Support is uh, what keeps our show alive and growing. And, of course, if you have a real ghost story, we would love to hear it. Write into us on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com or also uh, call it in at 855-853-4802. That is our phone number. Our waiting list to get stories on the air has shortened a bit. It has. So that's good. Yes. Kind of leading up to Halloween was a very, very busy time uh, where it was just bombardment of stories, which is wonderful. But uh, then Halloween kind of tinkers away. And then kind of the you have you have our, our regular listeners and we love you guys because you guys are here all the time year round. But of course, around Halloween, you get the uh, the interest seekers, the folks who would, let's say, watch a football game only in the playoffs. 
Yeah, that's like a me. good analogy. That's me. Yeah. They just show up for the holiday, which there's nothing wrong with that, because actually we end up getting a lot of regular daily listeners year-round uh, around uh, Halloween. But it also creates a bit of a delay in getting stories on the air. But uh, the delay has gone down quite a bit because we've gotten through a lot of those stories. So if you have a real ghost story, we would love to hear it. Be sure to write it into our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button and uh, get it into us. Or just share it in your own words on the website or on the, by calling it at 855 855- 853-4802. We're going to kick off the show today with a letter that came into us, and uh, this letter came into us from a woman named Cindy. And Cindy writes in, I've always been cautious with the belief in ghosts, but lately not so much. I live in the south coast area of Massachusetts, and three years ago, I lost my sister to cancer. As you can imagine, the cancer took a lot out of my sister, especially her weight and hair. My sister was the rock of the family and the go-to person. She passed away in November, and even though we grieved her, we carried on our daily lives. About three months have passed, and I was getting up for work as normal, about 7 a.m., and getting ready for work. After dressing, I left the bedroom and went into the living room. Standing right in front of my... right in front of me was my sister. She was dressed in her usual jeans and flannel shirt, carrying her lunch bag and a huge smile on her face. She was her pre-cancer self, vibrant, happy, and healthy. I readjusted to make sure I was seeing what I thought I was, and indeed I was. I called out her name and then said, What are you doing here? It's fine, I just wasn't expecting you. And just like that, she was gone. This was a full-body apparition, and I wasn't frightened. Her presence gave me warmth and comfort. I never saw her again in that house. She has visited again recently, but strangely, my husband and I moved, and she appeared in our living room, in a house she knew nothing about. Strange, but true. I think, you know, when there's a connection, like a sisterly connection or, you know, a loved one, and you move... If they want to show themselves to you, I think they can find you. I don't think it matters the geographic location. They just somehow are able to tune in to that loved one that they're wanting to show themselves to. Yeah, I think it could be on the moon, really. Yeah. Um, and and if, if that's what is the intent, that is what will happen. It doesn't really necessarily matter um, where you physically are in this sort of a case. Yeah. Where... I don't. I don't think of this one almost as like a ghostly ghost. It's more of like I'm letting you know I'm still okay. I'm okay. Right. I, I'm over here. Um, but I do think there are situations where it's. Here's what I wonder. You know, when when you're when you're dead, and and you have maybe moved on. Maybe you saw the light, and you went into whatever other dimension that is, beyond being a ghost roaming the earth. I think those ones are the ones that are doing things like this. Or maybe they're out, they are able to look down, they're not necessarily here, but maybe they're able to go, okay, I have a loved one here who really misses me and is concerned, and I'd like to send them some sort of comfort, so I'm going to, bam, project myself there quickly so they can see me, and then be gone. Yeah, I think so. Where it's not like I'm going to roam the house and fuck with the pets and turn the TV on and off. Yeah. It's just a very quick, bam, here I am. I'm okay. I'm out. 
you don't need you know an exorcist to come in and help me see the light or anything like that. But I think there are ones that maybe have not seen the light, for lack of a better term. I hate using that term because it just seems kind of cliche, but that's what's used. So the ones that maybe have not are the ones that I think are sometimes stuck in homes and sometimes maybe were indeed haunting their loved ones while they lived there, but the loved ones moved out, moved out and they're still stuck in that house. Right. I think that exists too. There's all these different levels. Mm-hmm. Levels, Jerry. Levels. <laughs> um, I I think I would kind of put in your, to quote you, your not ghostly ghost category would be the the ones that come for that brief visit right at the time that they pass before mm-hmm. they're gone and you never see them again. But I think it's sometimes they can do it after. I think there's times where I think it's if they're they're tuned into their family, they may be the ones that are going to show up when you die mm-hmm. to help you out. So they may have to somehow keep tabs on you a bit um, and may have the ability every now and then to do this, even at, not just necessarily, you know, a couple of days after death, but years even if, if there's some reason that they feel that you need to know that they're out there in some cases i think it happens just for whatever reason sure you know i don't know that's that's another bizarro tony conception on ghosts but take it for what it is <laughs> okay so uh 855-853-4802 that's our phone number real ghost stories online of course right into us if you like writing we would love to uh, to get your story on the website. Click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button. Staff writes in the following stories have all taken place in a building that I work in, which has a bit of a dark history. Let me start off here a bit uh, looking at the history of the building. This building is on Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee, which are almost all commercial office buildings or houses that have been converted into offices. Didn't we get a letter from a gentleman working at uh, a guitar factory on Music Road there at... uh, Gibson. Gibson. Yeah. Yeah, was it Gibson? Yeah, apparently they uh, like to discuss the show on break. Yeah. Well, back in the early 1900s, Music Row used to be an affluent residential neighborhood. A wealthy Jewish banker from New York decided that after after the death of his wife, he was going to relocate himself and his two daughters to Nashville. Knowing that Music Row was a wealthy area, he bought a sizable house on the road and moved down there. When he got there, he decided to throw a massive party at his house and invite the whole neighborhood as a way of introducing his daughters to society and hopefully to find potential husbands for them. Well, the night of the party came and absolutely no one showed up. It's rumored that it might have been due to anti-Semitism in the southern community back then, and his daughters were absolutely crushed. He decided to spite the neighborhood that he would let his house and yard fall into disrepair and become a major eyesore in the community. He and his daughters lived out the rest of their lives in that house as hermits, and all three died in that house. In the 80s, the property was sold and torn down, and our office building was built on the lot. From the moment people started working there, it was obviously haunted. Here are a few of the many stories that have happened in this building one night a mail worker was working late and all of a sudden every drawer in his filing cabinet flew open and files started flying out of them some even were directed at him so it's like ghostbusters with a card catalog that's exactly what i thought when i read that he ran out of the building and refused to be in there by himself after that another time a security guard was walking down the hallway and when he turned the corner he saw the apparition of what was presumed to be the two sisters and they started soaring 
at him. He turned around and ran to the stairs and out the door they followed him the entire way out of the building. He quit and refused to return to the building. Oftentimes, the building will start to randomly reek of old lady floral perfume and the smell will suddenly disappear. Also, many times at night, I've gone to leave and heard people's computers, who have already left, playing old-fashioned piano music. It's definitely a pretty eerie building and I'm convinced that it is haunted by the sisters who lived and died there. I would have to agree, especially if they saw the sisters. I'm surprised, though, that they hung around after the house was demolished. Why did they, the sisters never just get on with their own lives? I can see the dad being old and bitter and sitting around going, yeah, damn, eh, you know. But why didn't they, like, go, Dad, you're an idiot. I'm done. We have our own lives to live. Well, um, probably because if Daddy had money, they probably only had money through Daddy because they yeah. didn't find husbands. Sure, and Daddy could have been a very controlling individual, too. Well, and if they felt that rejected, they probably didn't feel comfortable going out and about in society to create their own lives. So Daddy pretty much just held them back mentally. Well, it could have been that. It could have been the whole experience. I mean, sure. could you imagine you have this big party planned for everybody and nobody comes? That'd be all? really depressing. Yeah. But I don't think I'd base the rest of my life around it. No, but they were new to the area, too. So they didn't know anybody. Sure. I, I can see several reasons for the behavior. Not that I agree with it, but I yeah. can see how that can happen, especially during that time period. Yeah. Yeah. You know, very interesting story. I I would love to to hear more detailed, specific accounts from within that building. You know, because like it sounds very, very active. Mm -hmm. You know, I wonder if there's anything that was just like really horrifically scary. You know, in detail, this happened, this happened, and this happened on one night or day or something. You know, in in detail, I think that'd be really, really interesting. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you want more ghost stories, you can become an EPP through the website at Real Ghost Stories Online. It's an extra podcast person. You get a bonus episode of the show sent to you every single week. Right now, up to about 15 bonus episodes. So you get 16 total for the new episode coming this week. you got a little while to sign up for it. It goes out on Saturday. So sign up before Saturday. And uh, you will get uh, all of that for the weekend. You sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Joe writes in, Hi, guys. I recently subscribed to your YouTube channel and love to listen to the stories people tell. It serves to verify my own sanity with the many experiences I have had. I can't help to wonder why it is that some of us are almost plagued with experiences while others have never or will never have a single paranormal experience. Strange, isn't it? Are we chosen or just more open to the next dimension? My story takes place in Mexico in the early 80s, just across the Texas border in uh, Hildago County. Am I saying that right? H-I-D-A-L-G-O. Hidalgo? Hidalgo. Hidalgo. No, let me see. H-I-D-A-L-G-O. right there. Hidalgo. Hidalgo. Thank you, Texan. You're welcome. 
Thanks, JR. Where my grandparents used to live. You know is this you know where this is? Is this anywhere near where you were at all? No. Okay. No, I was nowhere near near the border. Texas is a relatively small state, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's tiny. I mean you can stretch <laughs> from one end to the other and touch both borders. Rhode Islandish. My brothers and I spent most of our summers there while our parents worked back in the US. Remember, we had moved into a larger home, which was just built in the area, was so new to development that the streetlights had just been installed. We lacked electricity in the home, as it was in the process of being connected via the new light posts. In the meantime, my grandparents, aunt, and three of my siblings and I sat outside and watched a battery-powered 13-inch TV by the light of the streetlight outside our house. The streets were empty back then. You could count the houses three blocks in every direction on one hand. As we sat and watched our nightly comedy show, a sudden and distant thunderous barking started and was progressively getting louder. It seemed that something riled up the dogs in the neighborhood surrounding us. Sounding like all the dogs in the area had gotten together to bark at something at the same time and they seemed to be moving closer to us, a grandfather made a comment about a wild animal possibly loose on the street, so he went inside and grabbed a shotgun, loaded it, and started into the direction of the sound. The sound became overwhelming, and my brothers and I started to feel a bit of fear, but more curiosity to see the animal causing the commotion. The night was very dark, and the only areas visible in the darkness were directly below the street lamp posts. As we waited for the sound to approach, we saw a pack of dogs trotting and running up the streets as they were illuminated by the street light. And then a woman, in the middle of the pack, as she passed by the light, we saw that an enormous pack of dogs followed her. Fifty or more dogs following her, all barking as loud as they could. Upon closer inspection, we noticed the dogs were trying to bite her feet and ankles, but retreated whimpering as soon as they tried. The scene played on as she very slowly and calmly walked down the street towards our direction, with the dogs tirelessly trying to bite her and taking turns. My immediate thought was that she needed help, I believe my grandfather had a similar thought as he started walking towards her. But then he stops, turned around, and quickly makes his way back to us. He walks past my grandma, and with a serious tone, he tells my grandma, This one is all yours. Nothing I can do here. As he leans his shotgun against the wall of the house, grandma goes into the house in a hurry and comes back with a Bible in her hand and starts searching for a page. She was deeply religious and a devout Catholic. The woman was about a half block away from us, and we could see that she was not your typical lady. She had a still luminance, a slight luminance to her. She was still uncertain as to why this was a big deal, so I was trying to see what happened next. My brothers were at this point holding to my aunt, who was now dragging my arm towards her and telling us to close our eyes and not to look, covering my eyes with her hand. <clears throat> I slipped my face away from her hand and looked back and saw something that would change the way I saw the world and my grandma for the rest of my life. My grandma was holding the Bible in one hand and making the cross sign with the other while holding a crucifix, reading out loud some kind of prayer. <clears throat> I saw the woman passing by us, about eight feet away from us. She had long, wavy white hair, a light blue or white sleeping gown from what I can imagine. It was 17th century garb. I saw her making the movement of walking with her legs, but as I followed her legs down, I realized she had no feet. She was floating almost a foot off the ground like she was walking on a platform, which was invisible to us above the ground. As she walked by, I was stricken with fear, confusion, and panic. 
She ever so slowly turned to my direction and I saw that she had no face. No face, no features, just a pale blur. At this point, I was horrified and went back to closing my eyes. Some time passed, probably 10 to 15 seconds, but it felt like a half hour. We heard Grandma's order to take the kids inside, and we moved carefully towards the door. Eyes still shut. At that moment, I heard my Grandma say to the woman, I don't want you here. You are not welcome in this place. Do you understand? With a very stern voice, as she continued to pray and read from the Bible, I opened my eyes again and got a glimpse of what would be the last time I ever saw that woman. She was wailing as if in pain, running up and down a small hill to the side of her house, holding her head and pulling her hair. That was all I saw. I went inside and waited for Grandma to come to the house. We lit candles and we sat in the room with the window towards the area where the woman went. Grandma comes in and very confidently says to us, Don't worry, dears, she won't be coming back. I made sure of that. After that experience, my grandmother became a very strong and powerfully faithful woman in my eyes. She no longer held the title of fragile little old lady, but someone to look up to and learn from. As we cowered in the corner in fear, she stood her ground, front and center, fearless. Also, this thing that looked like a woman, why was it so susceptible to prayer in the name of God? I can only speculate that it was not a woman at all, but something darker with ill intent. Since then, I've had a lot of experiences, and within some experiences... I too have used the name of God and Jesus to repel spirits which seem to be human only to have them flee or withdraw from the, from the night. But why? A human alive or otherwise would not be repelled by that. I hope that one day I too share that faith and fearlessness my grandma displayed that night. Until then I'll keep my distance from anything remotely paranormal as I tend to attract the bad experiences. Grandparents have passed now, but witnesses to the story are my three brothers and my aunt who can attest to the veracity of this story. Love the show. Great work, guys. I'll continue to listen and hopefully share more of my experience. Experience is Joe. Okay, I know it's way too late to find out, but I want to know what else happened that made Grandma the go-to on bad spirits coming down the street. You know, the way the grandpa just was like, no, this one's for you. Seems grandma had a plan of action. She did. She knew what she was doing. She knew how to make that go away. And so I want to know more about that. I think your grandparents were secretly ghost hunters or exorcists. I think that's awesome. I, um, I'm guessing grandma had and grandpa, too, because like how he threw it to her had some sort of encounter in the past or encounters in the past, maybe even in that same neighborhood. Maybe this thing showed up from time to time. Yeah. What's interesting about it, he's like 1700s garb. Does that make a whole lot of historical sense in an area like that of Texas? Probably, yeah. Would there have been stuff? Yeah. I like, mean, that w- well, that was in Mexico. Okay. It's just on the other side of Oh, this the is border. down there. Yeah. Okay, okay. I was thinking it was more north and was likely just kind of more wilderness or desert. No. But, okay, down there. Sure, of course. Well, down there. Yeah, okay. I get it. I was thinking the other area of the state. No, I don't think so. Very interesting. <clears throat> Although I suppose, you know, when you have a figure like that, it is hard to ac- accurately pinpoint the garb they're wearing the century it could have been from the fact that it was a new neighborhood and they were building all these new things you think that stirred something up you think there's something in the ground may have been you know and 
if she's wearing something that's that old as far as placing her in a time period, mm-hmm. there, I, I think that she hadn't been disturbed for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And maybe just now with this new development, that's what's getting things stirred up. It's interesting that she reacted negatively to the uh, the uh, the God and uh, the Bible thing. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think most human ghosts would have that no reaction. But she also didn't have a face. Sure. So she wasn't quite right from the get-go. Yeah. As far as ghosts go. So that almost takes it out of the realm of was this a human that got disturbed, or was there something else going on on the grounds there that somehow got disturbed? Yeah. I don't know. Kenzie writes in, Hi, guys. My story starts about three years ago. It was the summer before my senior year of high school, and a friend of mine passed away. I came from a small town and a very small school, so everybody knew Alec and was touched by his death. A lot of things happened to multiple people after his passing, but listing, uh, listing all of them would make for a very long story, so I'll just touch on a few highlights. His current girlfriend at the time uh, felt she was visited by him the day after his death. She was in her room crying and began to speak out loud to Alec to comfort herself. As she was talking to him, the hammock chair hung in the corner of her room began swinging. She swears it has never done that before and the windows in the room were closed, so there was no draft. Another girl had an experience where shortly after his death, she was playing piano, something she and Alec used to do together, and the light on her aquarium next to her began to turn on and off. Not just a flicker like there was a loose wire or a dying bulb, but a very distinct switch on, then off, then on for about 15 seconds or so. About a year after his passing, I was at a friend's house. At this point, I had started college, so I was surrounded by all new friends, none of whom knew of Alex's death in high school except for my girlfriend with me. They were all believers in the paranormal, so one night, we began sharing stories of experiences we had although I never mentioned anything about Alec, and someone suggested we use a Ouija board. Normally I'm opposed to using them because I've heard such negative things, but I went with the rest of the group as we all sat in the circle and started using the board. At first we weren't getting any or many clear answers, just a combination of numbers and some two random letters. Nobody could make any sense of it, so we kept asking more questions. Through these questions, we were told the presence was male, a student, but not at our university. Someone asked if he was an athlete. He replied, yes. We got a random letter again from before. G. Did you play football? Someone asked. Yes. The random letters started again, and we began to realize there were Alex's initials, and the numbers could maybe be his jersey numbers. I pulled out my phone and looked for a football picture on Facebook and my phone froze and the battery drained almost 80% down from almost 80% down to 10%. I asked if he was using my phone battery and he responded yes. I asked if he was Alec and he also responded yes. At this point, my girlfriend and I were choking back tears, but I wanted to keep asking questions to verify this was actually him and not someone in the circle just messing with us. I tried asking some trick questions to ensure that nobody in the circle was just answering yes to my questions. And all of them were answered correctly and in my mind verified that this was in fact Alec. The session was very long so I'll avoid going into detail, but the circumstances of Alec's death, death were questionable. Some people, myself and close friends, including his sister, believed that it was homicide and not an accidental drowning like the official cause of death said. 
During the session, I asked Alec about his death and if it was in fact an accident. He said no and listed initials which we assume were of someone involved in his death. He also spelled out the words metal and head. We continued the session asking some more light-hearted questions about whether or not he still visits people like his sisters and friends and ultimately ended the conversation feeling at peace knowing he was able to speak to us. A few months later, I visited a medium after a family member of mine died. During that session, Alec came through. Sure enough, the medium mentioned that she saw Alec being hit over the head with something metal, maybe a pipe, before falling into the pool and eventually drowning. I was dumbfounded. There was no way this woman could have known that. From what I've heard on your show, I know you guys generally uh, associate Ouija boards with demonic activity and possible uh, impersonations of dead loved ones, but the fact that this medium verified information that came through the Ouija board continues to amaze me. Maybe it was something demonic, but I haven't had any sort of negative or demonic disturbances since that night. I'm interested to hear your opinion, but for the sake of me... Uh, comforting myself over a friend's death, I'd like to believe we were visited that night by a friend who continues to watch over his loved ones from the other side. Anyways, I know this story is kind of long, but I hope it uh, makes it to your show. Thank you for all you guys do. Okay, I think it may have been Alec, but you never really know, even with the details that came forward. It's, uh, when you use a Ouija board, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that you're always going to get a demon on the other line, but it's, um, it's similar to, okay, I, I had a reference point here uh, that I was going to make, but, and I'll make it, and, and one half of the audience will get it, then I'll make another reference that the other half will get. It's similar to a party line. Do you remember what a party line was? Mm-mm. There used to be phone numbers. Uh, that existed where you could just call and then suddenly you don't know who the hell you're going to get. It's a bunch of people just chatting. It was like a it was like a chat room on a phone. Oh, okay. okay. And it used to be like, you know, 99 cents a minute or something. And it's just essentially lonely people talking to lonely people. Okay. Not a sex line or a psychic line, just a party line mm-hmm. is what it was called. Um, so that used to exist probably 95 and prior. Okay. Um... A more current type reference was what was that? Is it is it what, what the hell is Snapchat? That's not Snapchat. What is the thing where you could click on it and then it would uh, put like a new person for you to chat with, uh, just randomly, randomly connected you with people? I don't know. It was something that existed for a little while, kind of had something going on, and I think it's died off since then. Um, a chat room, something like that, where you don't know what you're getting. Okay. Every time, you know, you may go in with the intent of trying to talk to other teens who are interested in Dawson's Creek, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you end up chatting with a 48-year-old child predator. Sure. Okay? You don't know what you're going to get. Um, that's what I'd, I'd say has to do with Ouija boards. And there I'm dating my 90s references, Dawson's Creek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with semi-current things anyhow you know what i'm trying to get yeah i do i get it so um you know i can't help but wonder if with the circumstance circumstances being questionable if he isn't being so forceful and coming through to try and get that figured out or resolved because Mm -hmm. you know if it if it really was him on the other end of that ouija board sure you know he came through there and then you know when she met up with the medium 
he made himself known there too. Yeah. You know, it's almost like he's like, no, here, you guys need to figure this out. There's some unrest there. Mm-hmm. And that would make sense if he's popping back in and it was actually him and not something else. So I'm with you. I think it could very well have been your friend Alec. Um, I think maybe it's up to you to investigate this a little bit further with, with what resources you have. I mean, just calling the police and going, I think you should reopen the investigation because Alec came to me on a Ouija board the other night. They're going to hang up on you. Um, but if you can do some research on your own, you know, maybe look at what information came out on the autopsy. Take a look at what the um, what those initials were. Try and do some research one within his circle of friends or family or acquaintances in his life at that time who had those initials um, and do a little digging you know yeah. and, and if you can dig anything up um, and you have something more than he came to you on a Ouija board um, you may be able to get the attention of the police to yeah. look into a little bit further but you're going to need something more than the Ouija board um, and I don't know that I necessarily advise going back to the Ouija board to say, hey, can you give me some more details? That's your call. You know, I don't know what it would produce. You know, your odds of getting Alec again, I don't know. You could very well get something pretty bad. Um, okay, see, I'm going to jump in here and I'm going to get all up in your Kool-Aid. What? And I don't recommend that at all. Why? Because if this was, in fact, a homicide. Yeah, whoever... you're going to have the murderer coming back after you? Yes. Sure, that's true. Yeah, so maybe not the best. Well, it's 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 up. It's not an advisable thing to do. But I, I'm saying that Alec may be coming back because he wants his death essentially not avenged, but figured out. Figured out. No, and that's what I'm saying too. But I'm not advising to do a little digging or figuring out who this potential murderer may be. I'm not saying contact the murderer and go, hey, I'm digging on you. No, but if you start asking around and you start trying to figure things out, word's going to get around. She said it was a small town, small school. That's true. You got to wash what you're doing. I I wouldn't recommend that. Well, I wouldn't say ask around. Look in a yearbook. I'm, I'm saying you can do some digging without letting anyone know you're doing digging. There's enough resources out there where if you're curious, you can do some digging. You know what I'm saying? Just be careful. Sure. We're going to be a family divided on that one. All right. I think Alex coming back because he wants people to know. I agree. I do. But being the kid of a cop, I would not want... Sure. I would not advise them going and trying to figure that out. Sure. All right. Okay. Next story. (laughs) Call Matlock. Yeah. Oh, wait, he's dead. That's helpful. Get him on a Ouija board. <laughs> Julie writes in, this is a story about being young and ignorant. It was the mid-80s. I was in middle school growing up in a small town in Tennessee. and We had a very little to occupy us. My friends and I were much interested in ghosts. Playing with the Ouija board and holding seances, we spent the night at one another's houses. One night, our play escalated to include the Bell Witch. The Bell Witch was, and I think still is, a well-known tale in Tennessee. To my knowledge, the Bell Witch was an inhuman spirit who tormented the Bell family in the 1800s. The spirit is credited for the murder of John Bell, the father of this family, although I had not yet heard of Bloody Mary. My friends and I had heard of a similar dare utilizing the scare factor for the Bell Witch. In this dare, you were to stand in the front of a mirror with only a candle burning, no other lights on, and say, I hate Bell Witch three times. Uh, 
She was supposed to scratch her face in your sleep and or appear to you in some form. We dared each other to call on her and to do it when we were home alone, so here's where the ignorant part starts. I was at home as usual on a school night. Home for me was an isolated farm with no nearby neighbors. I did not grow up in a neighborhood. I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. My mom was working second shift at the hospital, but my mother, but my brother and grandmother were home. I decided to taunt the witch. I went to the bathroom next to my room, which was in the lower part of the house. This was actually the basement converted to bedrooms for my brother and me. There was a small window in the bathroom, but it was dark out, making the room pitch black. I had a small flashlight with me and proceeded to say, I hate Bell Witch three times in the mirror, tempting fate. Nothing happened, so I went back to my room. I was up late reading with the TV on when I heard this loud knock, knock, scratch, scratch on my window. Scared me silly. I know some listeners may say this was bugs attracted to the light or some animal. I would reply it was cold out, so no bugs, and I've never known any animal, tame or wild, to knock on a window. And I've lived in a country, in the country, a long time. I turned to look but saw nothing, grabbed my flashlight and shined it outside through that window and saw nothing. My brother was in his room and I checked. I settled back into my chair to read and heard the knocking and scratching again. I turned quickly and shined my light, nothing there. At this point I'm really scared and ready for this to not be happening. I stayed up reading half the night to calm down and nothing else happened at the window. At some point I fell asleep, I woke up multiple times. In the small hours of the morning, something was awakening me. When I finally rose, went to the bathroom, I discovered further evidence that I had been visited. I had a long scratch down both of my cheeks. There was no way I could have done this to myself without knowing it. And although we had dogs, none of them slept with me. My friends asked me at school that day what had happened, but it was I was too ashamed to tell them what an idiot I'd been. I think I'd gone off easy for doing something rash. I learned not to mess with the Bell Witch anyway. Thanks for reading and blessings of happiness. Happy holidays, y'all. Hee hee. Just want to hear Tony say, y'all. <laughs> How'd I do? Fine. It was a little forced. It wasn't quite as natural as it should have been, but that's okay. Tell it, you just saying. Enlighten us. Enlighten just us. I say y'all all the time. Just say it like that. I say y'all all the time? Y'all? You, you go, y'all. I, that's not I'm how I'm doing we say the it. animated version of it. Yeah, that's pretty animated. So it should be. It's just kind of just y'all, 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 y'all. How mm-hmm. y'all doing? Mm-hmm. Like that? Yeah. Just very much not accenting it. Just no. creating it, like adding it to the sentence, just like the word the. Yep, pretty much. Okay. Now you are properly educated in the usage of y'all. I feel special. Good. So many words I've learned on this show. <laughs> uh, here's a letter. I'm a regular ghost stories reader. Actually, I loved reading real ghost stories encounters, especially from India. India is a country of religion and faith where people believe both in God as well as ghosts. Stories related to ghosts are very common in India. Now, let me tell you something about myself. I'm an Indian citizen, age 30. My native place is Sambolpur, a beautiful city in Orissa, a state in India. Doing pretty good, aren't I? 
I asked you if you're going to be able to make it through this one. I know all about Indian cities. Okay. Because I know nothing. Enough introductions. Now let me share my first encounter with you. This happened to me in the year 2010. It was midsummer. One evening, me and my friend, let's call him Raj, decided to visit Harkud Dam. Harkud Dam is among one of the most famous dams in India. It is built over Mahanmat... <laughs> Damn it, I almost, had it. I almost had it going straight with no... <laughs> Mahandi. I'm going to go with that. Mahandi. We start our journey around 4.30 p.m. Actually, Harkud Dam is uh, only about 15 kilometers away from Samblapur. On that evening... I'm doing pretty good here, aren't I? <laughs> I'm just going to start making up words as I go. On that evening, I and Raj wanted to spend some quality time. I'm sorry to our Indian listeners. I'm just really... I, I can't pronounce American cities for the most part. More or less Indian cities names, okay? He struggles with the word y'all. So... <laughs> Don't be offended here. So on our way, we purchased some beers and snacks. But on the way, we decided to change our program. And rather visiting uh, Herkur Dam, we decided to visit some more remote and secluded places. You want a, a difficult state to pronounce names? I'll give you the map of Wisconsin. And you try and read some of those places. I can't even read some of those places. And I'm from there. Okay. There's a lot of weird names there. We chose a riverbed uh, on that river. As I mentioned earlier, it was summer season. The riverbed was dry. I and Raj found a remote path, which was going towards the middle of the river. Actually, those paths are used by tractors to dig sand from the riverbed in summer season, which we were later used for construction work. So we took the route, and as we were on bike, it was easy to drive through those paths. But at some places, some ponds, deep up to knee length, were there on the way, so we have to drive very cautiously. The whole scenario was covered with dry uh, grasses, uh, height up to the length of an average person's shoulder. In the middle of the grass, big rocks were there. It is a riverbed rising above the grass. So after covering a distance of two to three kilometers, I and Raj decided to stop and found a big rock between the grasses. We climbed the rock and found that the top was very suitable to sit. The top was actually a little bit flat, so without any problem, we sat on the rock, put our beer and snacks up on the rock, and started talking to each other. While drinking our beer and enjoying our snacks, we were talking about different topics like friends, family, school days, and of course, girls. This was the juncture when things started to happen. We get so much involved in our discussion that we lost track of time. Suddenly, we both heard a sound as if a newborn baby was crying nearby. Raj looked towards me very curiously and asked me if I'm hearing any sound. I simply nodded my head. He then told me that this is the crying sound of a baby. At that time, I simply ignored him by saying that it's the sound of a goat which might be grazing nearby. But at the same time, we're also hearing some rattling sounds as if someone is walking under the grass around us. Both of us were experiencing the same thing at the same time. Whenever we start looking at the direction from which the sound was coming, it starts coming from the other direction. At this point, suddenly, I recalled some stories told to me by my mother and my grandmother. They were actually their real encounters. They told me that the ghost had a name. In our local language, we called it Pitan. In some other parts, it is also known as a uh, Chiraguni. Not doing half bad here, am I? Ta-da! It is said that uh, whenever a pregnant woman dies during uh, this time of pregnancy... Not buried properly with the proper rituals. Note, in our place, pregnant women who died during her pregnancy with her baby inside her womb are buried, not cremated. Then she became a Petan. 
The most peculiar thing about this ghost is that it gives signs of its presence by producing the sound of a crying baby. In some instances, it throws stones and sands at you. Surprisingly, you can hear the sound, but neither can you see it, nor the stone uh, or the sand that hit you. We both were experiencing the same at that time. I'm from the Hindu origin and know about these things that my friend Raj was Muslim and didn't know about. Anyway, after some time, everything became normal, as if nothing had happened. I looked at my watch. Its hands were showing six o'clock. Both of us decided to sit there for some more time. Again, we get back into our discussion, but just after 10 to 15 minutes, dramatically the same things start to happen once again. This time Raj just bet me that this is no goat, but a human baby. Somebody must have left the baby while fetching water. This is practically impossible. Why would someone come to the middle of the river to fetch water? Assamblapur is a developed city, and the water supply system in Samblapur is quite good. And in some extreme cases, there are other options too, like wells, hand pumps, ponds, provided by the government to every village. We were sitting was near about 20 kilometers, so fetching water was out of the question. By that time, I didn't dis- uh, discuss anything with Raj. I and Raj both climbed down from the rock and started searching for the baby in the thick grass. Eventually, it became a hide-and-seek game. Whenever we detected the source of the sound to try to move towards that direction, the sound would change its course and start coming from the other direction. The game continues for a couple of minutes. A small temple is situated at the bank of the river at that section, and at that time, the Sandhya Arti, a worship, or a small worship done by Hindu in temples that evening, has started. We can hear the sound of Sanka, an instrument made out of a seashell and bells from the distance, too. As soon as the arty started, everything became normal. Suddenly, a relaxing feeling came into my mind. After that, we left that place and started our journey back home. Can anyone suggest to me what it was? No, I'm thinking it wasn't a goat, though. It was probably something paranormal. There's quite a bit of difference between the sound of a goat and the sound of a baby. Ah, it depends what your baby sounds like. Harper did kind of sound donkeyish for a little while when she, she laughed. She did. She had a donkey laugh. And if you were out in the wilderness and she was hidden in some weeds, laughing like a donkey, you would probably question, is there a donkey in the grass? Either way, there was something out there making noise that was changing direction when yeah. they looked for it. That's interesting. Wasn't that cell phone story that we had not that long ago where it was changing direction and we kind of thought maybe it was the birds that learned how to make the sounds of cell phones? Yeah. Do birds learn how to make the sound of babies crying? I don't know. I think it just depends on what kind of birds are there. I wonder if they'd have that type of bird there. I don't know. That would be my only guess. My only logical guess. And probably not all that likely. Yeah. But that'd creep the hell out of me. Yeah, that that would not be relaxing. And I'd feel like really guilty and weird. Like if I never found the baby, like did I leave a baby out there? You know, I I would, as paranormal as I would think it was, I would still always have that half-assed question in my mind was, or was it not paranormal? It was just a baby and I just couldn't get a sense of direction. Yeah. You know, that would, uh. all right. Thank you for the story. Uh, 855-853-4802. That's the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. If you've not done so yet, press subscribe on whatever platform it is you listen to us on. YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever it may be. Pressing subscribe, it gets the stories sent directly to you and the shows sent directly to you as they come out. 
don't have to search it every time and like where is the latest real ghost stories now goes right to you you don't miss them at all so please press subscribe it helps our show grow and uh, and you get that little uh, little benefit right there uh, as well let's go to a caller here uh, hi uh, this is Logan again I'm, com- I'm so sorry for being so long winded but this is something I've thought about for a long time and I've put a lot of thought into so it's hard to get it all out there uh, I just want to finish the story, don't want to leave you hanging. My uncle was paralyzed from a rock that was knocked loose by a dog, completely paralyzed the right side of his body, his arm and leg, which is right-handed. Um, they've gone out and recreated what happened to him after he he'd had surgery and was able to have function restored. And He went back out there and showed them what had happened and where it happened, and nobody has been able to figure out, or he wouldn't tell. He, he knew. He acted as if he knew, but he would never say anything. Um, how he got that four-wheeler turned around and we had asked him many times how did you do this you know that's an incredible feat to not only turn around a four-wheeler but get on it and drive yourself out of the woods completely paralyzed your dominant hand is completely paralyzed well after i had made the story i just told you public i had published it on the internet uh, through a website and uh uh, he sent my mother a text message that said, I've never told anybody this before, but the man in the hat that the kids saw down in the woods that night was the same person who helped me get my ATV turned around the night I got hurt. And he is a completely honest person. I've never known him to lie. He abhors lying and liars. Uh, neither my mother nor myself feel he would say something like that in jest. But needless to say, I was completely blown away. This has completely changed my life, and I hope you enjoyed uh, my experience, and thank you for letting me share it. I'm sorry it took so long, and goodbye. So this is uh, follow up on a story that we had on the other night. Yes. You want to give the quick one minute synopsis on what happened? Well, they were out, and it was a group of kids that were going to go camping on um, Logan's uncle's property, and I think they're out in West Virginia, and they start to hear noise that sounds like somebody's walking in the creek by them, and then they start to hear voices. And at the, I guess the climax of the story is when Logan goes over to the ATV and there is a shadow person wearing a hat propped Mm -hmm. up against his ATV. And then they kind of, you know, they, the, he could tell the shadow person could tell that he saw him, that they, you know, noticed each other. And then the shadow person just kind of took off, but it basically drained the battery almost Mm -hmm. all the way gone out of the ATV. And they... They headed back to the uncle's house. Okay. So it was a good story. It was pretty scary. I can't think of which episode it was, if it was yesterday or the day before. That's in the past, like, three or four episodes, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I do I do remember that story. So thank you for the follow-up and, uh, and kind of completing some of those thoughts for us there. It's always good to kind of have some closure on some of these stories. What do you think, though, about the shadow man actually helping the uncle? Uh... Not all shadow people are bad. No, just like ninety percent of them. I don't know. I, I, it's it's interesting because how many how many are out there and how many do we actually witness? Sure. How many are making themselves actually known to us? You know, how many are just kind of there in the background, maybe actually helping us, but we are unaware that they're helping us. How many are doing things where we end up going, well, what a strange coincidence that was. <clears throat> well, I'm just going to stereotype all shadow people because of all the stories that we get mm-hmm. about, you know, for every probably 20 shadow people stories, we have maybe one good one. I mean, good one meaning that 
a benevolent shadow person for about every 20 or so that aren't. And so I can't help but just associate them with, you know, negativity and almost tricksterish type things. Because sometimes they're kind of snarky. They almost like have an attitude like, check this out. You know, can you talk? Or are you going to cough? Are you done bashing the poor shadow people? I am anti-shadow person. I will just come right out and say it. So there's probably like a group like that represents the shadow people that are going to be very upset by this episode now. Tough shit. <laughs> the shadow people for equal representation or something. I am anti-shadow person. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Anonymous writes in many times in your show, members have called in or written in about experiencing paranormal events that have led them to believe that a loved one who has passed was doing just dandy in the afterlife. Specifically, remember a caller uh, of a, a ray of sunlight cast upon the picture of a relative who had just passed, providing him with some sort of comfort. This prompted you guys to question if anyone has ever experienced a sign that led them to believe if someone who has passed may not be doing so fine or ended up in a lower place. <clears throat> well, I am here to challenge your question one of my personal experiences in the immediate passing of a not-so-kind individual. I want to tell you my story with the uttermost sensitivity as not to trigger listeners. So I'll just summarize by stating I am the adult survivor of sexual abuse. There was a trial and a judgment, but as in most cases, not one that matches the lifetime sentence those of us who are survivors can justify. Add to that the absolute non-existence of support for male survivors, as you can picture, how difficult navigating my life was for a period of time. I stopped keeping tabs on my perpetrator in the early 2000s. He was a repeat offender. I've done my best to live a healthy life with continued counseling and an overwhelming belief in human resilience. I've had my moments, as all of us do, but overall I have moved from the role of victim to survivor, thankfully. On a day last summer... I was sitting in my back patio and reading the newspaper with my morning coffee when I stumbled upon a very familiar name in the obituary section. This person who had perpetrated me had passed in a manner most of us wouldn't wish upon our worst enemy. Of course, I was filled with a mixture of emotions, but what made, me, what made the realization even more curious was that I believed to be a sign to me that he was continuing to pay for his crimes, wherever the afterlife had led him. Anyone old or hip enough to remember physical newspapers knows occasionally the ink printing from one page will leak onto another, usually through an error in the printing process. Or maybe some of us remember using silly putty as kids to pick up newspaper images and transferring them onto construction paper it's the same process. Interesting, but completely explainable. The page following the obituary section of the newspaper features a large, colorful advertisement for Motorola phones, specifically its slightly annoying Hello Moto campaign that makes you want to cringe more than buy a cell phone. Somewhere along the line, the ink for this ad had leaked over into the obituary section and transfer the word hell directly and vividly over the obituary of 
my perpetrator. I'm not a vindictive person, but somehow I found comfort in what I perceived to be my message. One that let me know, however, and for whatever reason, this person was not enjoying the paradise in the sky. It was more likely some place requires more sunscreen. Call it coincidence if you like, but in checking various other copies of the same paper at a local gas station, there was no consistency in this printing error. And it simply didn't exist in any other copy but my own. In closing, while we can debate the existence of paranormal experiences, we can proclaim with solidification that anyone and everyone who may be the victim or survivor of abuse should seek professional assistance. So for anyone who may be family, friends, your physician, the National Violence Hotline, found at the hotline.org, can lead you in the right direction. Thanks for the show. The escape you provide is immeasurable. Anonymous. Okay, so I know it's not a flat-out ghost story, but I think it's kind of a everything-happens-for-a-reason yeah. synchronicity story. And I think that that's really interesting that just, you know, just that portion, just the word hell was right where it should have been. I think there's a good chance that, that there was a reason for that happening. Yeah, I think it so. It wasn't just a, oh, error. No, yeah. it, for him to get that particular copy and to notice it on that particular day. Yeah, I mean, I won't say it's, you know, it's because it's not complete closure by any means for him, but it's it's a little step in the right direction. Yeah. What'd you say? I'd have to think there has to be a little bit of a closure in the fact knowing that since he has passed on, nobody else is going to be a victim. True. Very true. Thanks for writing in the story. We really do appreciate it. Share your real ghost stories with us on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com, or you can always call into us, 855-853-4802. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.